Definitely. Uh, yeah. So my name is Joel Edwards. Uh, I've host of a podcast called the Moonlighters Club, and we interview entrepreneurs who either currently work a full-time job or they just left a full-time job. And the premise about the Moonlighters Club is that everyone who starts a business may not have the same uh, resources, right? Like seed capital or network. So most of the time, most of us have to work a nine to five to pay the bills, pay rent, and then use whatever extra money we can do on the side to, uh, uh, to then fund our business. So I look for people like that. I am that myself. I work a full-time job. I do something. I do this on the side. And I'm always looking for interested people or who, are, uh, who have something on the side and, and there's more to life for them than just doing their basically nine to five. And uh, what, what gave you the idea to start the podcast? What was so, the ignition? Uh, frustration. I actually <laughs> um, I, uh, started my podcast years ago because I was working on something else. I was trying to build a mobile app that uh, gym members would use to network and find other gym members to work out with together. So I was pretty much, uh, not all the time, but there was a good amount of time I was by myself and I had to like do competitions and like pitch competitions, put prototypes. I couldn't code, so I had to like learn a little bit here and there. Um, but it, 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 was, it was tough. And then I had to start working. Uh, so I'd wake up real early in the morning. I'd go to work two hours before work started and then just like work on whatever I could. And then at lunch, do a little bit of work. And then after work, do a little bit more work. And I found out that like eight of the people that I worked with were doing the same thing. DJs, um, writers, like 15 to 20 people were like, no, this isn't all I do. I, I do other things as well. So once I got that, I'm like, we should talk about this. If not just for therapy, um, maybe strategy, maybe processes, or, you know, we could find a way to network. And ever since then, it's just been a thing I do. Well, and is the club only a podcast or so you have a website with uh, kind of presentations and everything. So the, does it, anything else come into it as well or? Yeah, that's a plans? good question. Yeah. Good question. Uh, one of my friends who I've interviewed, Survival, his name is Stefan Goler. He had been putting events in um, on his own. And I admired the fact that he would just reach out to bars, clubs, venues, and just say, hey, I want to do this show. Um, I'll bring in this amount of people. He was really organized about it. He knew his financials. He knew sponsors. Um, and he would go through these steps, but he would always book it. And I just thought that it was a foreign thing to do. So I, I asked him for advice and I started doing events. So the events were a, a live version of the podcast, just condensed. So we would go to Turtle Swamp Brewery and six to seven people, six normally, would just get on stage and talk for like, five to eight minutes and basically say i work here from nine to five but i really want to do this and it was awesome man it was the alcohol played a big role in it but it was cool because <laughs> then people in the crowd would be like oh my god like i got an idea too that i want to do and this is inspirational so people can network it was a scalable way to get email addresses it was cool so that actually 
I started doing that maybe two years after I started with the podcast. Mm-hmm. That became a focal point because it became fun. It wasn't hard for me to set it up. Um, uh, it wasn't generating revenue, but it was also free for me to use space. So it was cool. And uh, that's definitely something once everything clears up that I want to go back into, just giving people the space to talk. Yeah, everybody had their own plans and then 2020 happened and then, uh, yeah. <laughs> the world is coming to an end, yes. It's, it's so frustrating. Yeah. One question, when you, when you were uh, recording these events, um, how, how did the recording go when you had like, a, like an audience? I know from this perspective, it's kind of easier because you have us and you talking to each other and we're just recording maximum three people. But like, are you recording sometimes the drunk people from the background yelling something? Because it's like a, it's a show, right? It's not... You're right. You're right. Uh, the first one was weird because it, it snowed and like 20 something people showed up, maybe, maybe 30. So you could hear everything and the audio was good, but people would cough. And then there were just like people who were just hanging out there who were like, I don't know what this is, but I'm gonna sit in the front row and just stare at everybody. So it was awkward. I don't mind speaking uh, in public, but this was definitely, this was definitely kind of nerve wracking because I'd planned it and like i cared so i was like stuttering all over the place that first time out my hands were just consistently moving uh but as we went on to do more the people got better and then i got better so it became way cooler because then you could just get on stage and i'm like here's the structure but you can kind of say whatever you want and then everyone will get nervous until like a minute and once you talk about what you're doing for a minute and you remember something you're just gonna go in so after a while, it just became like therapy. And then we'd just be crying or yelling or laughing <laughs> all on stage. So it was pretty cool after a while. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Um, and uh, um, what I want to ask. So for how many events did you do? Now that we're speaking about events, I'm just wondering, like, in total, do you know? Five, I think. So a bunch at Total Swamp Brewery. Um, and then one at the Boston Public Library in rab hall that big hall underneath the main library so i think like five yeah five five yeah i, I think there there are these um that would be a cool idea i think there are these uh at least used to be like a website for music events and they would host them randomly in around boston i think also in different parts um in europe as well and different parts of the united states like a merger between those two ideas I think would be great. Um, just to, if you want to go for a live podcast, you can go through the website. It's super easy. Oh yeah, check it out. I think I know what you're talking about. So far. So far. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 so yeah, 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 yeah. They do good stuff. It's really creative. I like what they do. They just pick yeah. random places to do spontaneous um, um, uh, events. I think it's pretty awesome actually. They do live music and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, um, can you uh, can can you go a bit into like how how these events are structured? Do you, do you then exchange just ideas about I had this idea it it worked I had this idea it failed or is this also some sort of open consulting service so to say open consulting session and in a discussion format? I'm I'm glad you said that. Uh, initially, it was really like I was super Hollywood with it. Like, <laughs> all right, we're gonna have like a story arc. So it would, it would definitely be, all right, I started, I went to school and then I started doing this and uh, then work sucked. <laughs> and then after work sucked, I started doing this other thing and now I'm doing here, but now it's hard. So it was like a story arc where you start one place and then another place. But then the more we did, people would be like, I kind of want to do it like this. So I definitely have people like be consultants, get on stage. Uh, one guy, Devin Ferreira, who's a, a great songwriter. He kind of broke it down like, hey, uh, 
here's everything. Here's who I am. Here's songs I've done. He would talk and then he would, um, he made a note on his iPhone and then push it to everybody's phone. So it had links to like consulting pages, uh, contact info, things like that. And he definitely took that consultative approach. So approach. So it changes based on who's doing it and what the, the company is. I let people kind of feel it out. If it's more of a hashed out company, then I'm like, all right, I just want to talk about the company and kind of what we've done to grow it. And if for other people, it's like, no, I just want to talk about like the stress and things like that. So we have a structure, but you're definitely free to say, I kind of want to push it towards this or that. Yeah, I can imagine it can definitely be helpful because you basically, you, you go into a community of people that are kind of thinking in the same way you are. Maybe somebody's a little bit ahead of you, you know, maybe in a completely different field, but they've been through what you've been, they worked, they, they found their way, they can tell you, you know, like, or you can help somebody else. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, I can imagine. Um, but can you speak to what kind of people do you do? Would you get there? And it's like, what kind, what type of entrepreneurs? Did they all come from like different areas? Or did you get more artists, you know? I would say a lot of it was word of mouth. So most of the people, the guests would know the people presenting, but when you broke it down, most of the, you, you had a, I'd say you split between your entertainers. So you split between your uh, writers, artists, things like that. And then, uh, small, you're, you're not typical small businesses, but like tangible ones, like people who manufacture goods or food. That is, a, that's a pretty tangible size group. And then the one that surprised me, we didn't have a lot of tech. Um, we're in Boston meeting people through different meetups. We do have people who do, uh, uh, like apps, things of that nature, but it's not the majority. We definitely have people kind of sprinkled across. I'd say as of now, anything about content or art is probably number one. Other small businesses that make like goods, like manufactured goods that you can sell is two, and then three, I would say for technical companies. Right. right. Do, do you also have promoted one business or had one business as a guest that is now big, that is now a big brand in Boston or a bigger brand in Boston? I would say like I, I outside of the people that uh, I've interviewed, let me think. I definitely have people who go on like I, someone by the name of Charlene Chanel. She was already big before we interviewed her. So she was already super popular. Shout but, out. <laughs> uh, she is just super known already. But it was cool to just see her continually progress. Um, outside of her, uh, uh, um, it's, uh, we did have a company, uh, the first time I reached out to a company called, um, um, uh, uh, the Gromit, they're based in Cambridge. Um, I think the edge of Cambridge and the Gromit is like an Etsy, but it's local and they really do want to help people who are, um, uh, uh, like different types of minorities, right? Like mm. women funded businesses, minority funded businesses. And a lot of the people they work with are um, moonlighting, right? So they're like, we're, we're trying to help makers promote their website. So if you made paintings, jewelry, things of that nature, you could basically just, the grommet's going to help you get that advertising, get that out there. Mm. I was reaching out to sponsors and I reached out to them. They were the first company because my idea was we're having people talk that I've interviewed. But uh, let's get a real company in here. And they were the first actual company who were like, you know what, Joel, we want to come, we want to speak. Um, we think it'd be great. And I was super happy for that. But outside of that company, I've had people like Akio Evans, who is an artist from Baltimore, Maryland, showed up in Boston and wants to do it. Check him out, Akio, A-K-I-O, Akio's Glorious Heroes. He designed sneakers. So anything from Air Force One's Adidas, Converse, things like that. Um, he's done film work with, um, uh, are you either of you familiar with The Wire? The wire. 
a TV show on HBO. This yeah, is a, I'm an old guy, so this is a, yeah. He he knows a bunch of staff members from The Wire. He's made mm-hmm. he's made, uh, shoes for Dr. Dre. Mm-hmm. He's made shoes for Dave Chappelle, Nick Cannon, Kevin Hart, uh, and now he he'd already been doing stuff like that. He actually came to Boston to do one of the speaking engagements that we had at the library last year, and now he's traveling more and doing uh, doing more stuff. So you definitely have a bunch of people that are at their precipice where they're like, okay, I can see big things happening for that person. Yeah, that's awesome. And then here it's. When you come from Europe, you understand how big a shoe business is here. Like in the U.S., when somebody tells you they're in the shoe business, they're doing art on, on shoes and stuff, you might think, oh, yeah, that's nothing. But actually, shoes are very important here. Like in Europe, you wouldn't, I don't know, it's not, it's not considered as big here. Like especially Jordans now after the last dance and everything, I know they're selling for huge prices because like the, the documentary and everything. It's insane. Americans love, we, we love buying. It's so weird. Like, <laughs> we feel like we, you, we do. Like, it's odd. Like, you're buying and then buying a lot of the same thing. People are it's just like, yo, I got these new ones. You're like, you have nine pairs of sneakers. You're just like, I don't know, man. These new ones just came out. Like, all right. All right, whatever. But yeah, you keep them in the collection, so you're not going to use them. You know? So, like, <laughs> yeah. you plan not to use them. You plan to keep them as an exactly. asset and maybe resell it's it at some point. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. They're just there in the, 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 the cupboard and everything else in the bar. Yeah. It's considered an art, so that it holds value, I guess. Um, yeah, and I want to ask you, like, from your impression, so you spoke to many entrepreneurs, what, what, what would you say are some, some of the personal traits that these people carry? Um, uh, basic, being individuals, so not all, but a good n- number of them are bored in normal learning settings. So mm-hmm. school... Like there are people who are like, my grades weren't the best, but they'll build a company in like five minutes. Or there's like, I did, it wasn't interesting to me. And you notice that different ways of just being taught things, just, it's weren't, they weren't into it. They weren't into just following the rules, going to college, and then just working. Uh, they, can, they just ask a lot of questions, find problems, and they want to solve it. Um, uh, I'd say that. Um, also, the, the, um, the benefits that people are looking for. When I was first building an app, it was about like, yeah, I want to do this on my own. But it, you know, I want to tell people I built an app and I want it to be like super popular. We could raise a bunch of money, blah, blah, blah. Most of these people, it really is for, yes, revenue is definitely involved. Money is definitely involved. But we want to have, we, we, it's the sense of accomplishment and also control. These people love being able to control their schedules more than before, controlling who they reach out to, their methods that they use. They love that stuff, um, all of them. And then, uh, negatively, I'd say, not all of them, but finance, like, <laughs> finance is definitely not like there are definitely people I've interviewed who have such good financials, like Devin Freire, amazing at financials. But for most it's like, all right, all right, we'll deal with that later. Let's just get the money now and then figure out how we're going to like account and do things of that nature. All pay someone to do it. So generally the small minutia of things, not preferred. Most people were like big picture. Like I can do this. I'll organize this. I'll get these people out here. I'll do the sales. And then, you know, it's the small things are like, all right, I can, I'll have to learn how to do this, but if I don't have to, maybe I can outsource it. I'll do that. And that hits for me too. Yeah, that, that's so true. Even when dealing with startups, because we both work in the kind of FinTech uh, companies that deal with other FinTech startups and just startups in general. And usually startups are not, they don't, first of all, it's very expensive to, to, to pay for, uh, finance people that are good quality. Usually they give them some equity or something, so they work for them. But otherwise, usually investors invest in the, in the team. So like, even if you have good financials, but they don't really believe in you, they won't give you money in the beginning. So, right. but that's so true. Um, that's so true. And uh, you see it now. I mean, look, this mm-hmm. lockdown has been for two months and how many companies have gone broke. 
And I know that a lot of these are low margin companies, but it's kind of crazy that you have national chains who are like, we don't have any more money. It's like, what were you doing? How did you run out of money in a yeah. month? Like, it's yeah. insane. And that's why. It's the small details. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you run everything expecting that the next day is going to be better than the day before. And then you're like, yeah, we, you just never prepare for a, a bad day. And that's, that's what our teacher would say, a bad company, <laughs> bad business. <laughs> bad, this is a bad business. I mean, yeah. And you have like big airplane these uh, airline industry, the entire airline industry in the entire world, I mean, they do have low margins, but still you need to have, don't buy back your shares, save some money. No, I, but, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so you, yeah. no one's thinking of anything ever going wrong. It's like, that's, that's the issue. Everyone looks, the most important things, legal stuff, making sure whatever your product is that is running. So if it's an app, the, the IT, if it's, a, if it's a restaurant, just like your utilities, um, and then all, it's always finance and accounting. No one ever wants to do it. Yeah. And it's your business will not live without it. I am a product of that. I hate it, that stuff, but you need to know where your money's going, options you can come up with, how to spend less on something. And just knowing that you can't always count on the revenue to come in, have your contingencies in place. It's kind of astounding. Yeah, definitely. That, I mean, that's why the, the, the successful businesses do. And that's why I, I think also a lot of startups, when they become bigger, um they even change their ceos they change their there's they add new people you because you, you work for the investor in the end you you might be the ceo but the investor gives you money you again you're employed i mean you have your own structure but you're employed i mean you, if the investor doesn't come in with the money bye bye you know like it's over <laughs> it's funny I, I i used to hate that because i, I used to want to be one of those guys one of those flashy ceos but then you realize most of us it <laughs> Not all of us, but me at that time specifically, I didn't know what I was doing. If someone handed me $20 million and I was building that app, I would have spent $18 million in three minutes and then said, okay, we're broke. Like it's so much more. It really is about making money, right? Yeah. You want to do other things. You have ways of saying, okay, I want to do a mission driven project. I want to do a nonprofit. But if I, if I tell you to invest in me because you just like me and we're cool and we hang out at some point, we got to pay rent. So uh, you, your focus has to change. You bring in employees on. I mean, we, I'm sure we've all been in an environment where we work for someone else. If they didn't have our checks, we, we would probably look at them and say, you have to figure this out or I'm not going to be here anymore. Right. So it, it's, it's those things that people need to kind of shift, and prioritize. Nothing wrong with being the guy in front or the woman in front. No, but also, more importantly, there's nothing wrong with learning the backbone of how this business works, the finances, the accounting, just in case you need to have to crunch your numbers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially pays off in the in times like this, you know, like uh, with, with coronavirus and everything. Yeah. Um, have you completely shifted your events uh, uh, on Zoom now or, or online completely? So are they still available? Now, I, I'm, I was going to do, I might do one in August or September. That's, I looked at a platform called Hopin. And I like it. It's a virtual environment you could set up. You pay like a hundred bucks a month and they let you have like sponsored booths, virtual booths. Mm -hmm. You could do like one-to-one -one meetings. I think they time them and they're quick. Um, but it's, it was interesting at the time. I'm like, I don't even know. Are we inside in September? Are we outside in August? I didn't know at that time. I've done interviews like this. The one thing that makes it harder is the video slash audio quality. There are tons of apps for recording podcasts remotely that sound great. It's amazing. But the video part 
is where you're like, okay, we could use Zoom, we could use this, but then we have to rely on each other's cameras, internet connections, things of that nature. So for sure, that definitely, um, that definitely is a bump in the road. I would probably say for an event, if I, I would do one of two things, either record something, edit it really well, and then, and then build up a following and say, okay, I have more followers. Everyone on Friday, I'll just be displaying these people talking. Or market like crazy, promote like crazy, and then one day say, okay, I'm going to have you five speak. You need to be at your house, have it ready, practice, rehearse it, and then we'll push it out. But we have to have some sort of interaction. Um, so I've definitely looked at it. If I do one, it'll be one in like a, a, a August or September small amount of people, five or six that are talking and then just promoting that to others and hopefully just give a link where you can reach them and things like that. Yeah, I believe it's a completely different ball game, especially when you, you know, like when you're recording a podcast, if you have many people, if people are speaking over each other, then whoever is listening to the podcast, even if we both talk at the same time, the listener is probably going to get annoyed. But imagine like when you're having five people, when you're in a room, you can kind of body language, you know, like you can use the body language to to see who is supposed to speak next. But like if you're on Zoom and some, and people are lagging and somebody's coming in two seconds earlier or two, sorry, two seconds later and you're like, oh. And you have five interruptions. Then, yeah. oh, no, no, go ahead now. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> I've had jokes. I've told jokes. And then the delay has been so bad that it's just silent. And then yeah. you hear, ha, 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 And I'm like, dude, that's awful. Like it's five minutes, like it's five minutes later. No one, let's just edit it out. Take it out. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, I wanted to ask, so you, you changed your approach with this coronavirus uh, impact. Um, have you talked to anybody, any of the entrepreneurs? Uh, do you think the people who maybe worked a job on the side and then they were working um, on their own idea are now impacted because m maybe many of these jobs were, I'm just guessing, but many, many of these jobs were uh, people either got laid off or if you're doing like a daily job, uh, I don't know, in a restaurant and that's closed, you, kind of the availability of having an easy job now on the side or a part-time is way, way tougher today than three months ago. You know, like, you know, if people have been impacted by this or. It, it's, it's funny. I've had people who I don't, thankfully I don't know a lot of people who've been laid off. Um, but I've had people just be down, which I have seen a lot of like, you know, just because this is kind of abrupt and a lot of people I've interviewed do events or event related stuff. So uh, there was just a little bit of just kind of sadness, like, man, this really sucks. Um, and then I've had people be excited um, and be able to kind of say, okay, now I have more time. For me, it was interesting. Like I, a lot of my time was, I work totally remote. So my job is actually based in another country. I'm always going to be remote and I don't have to commute. However, since everyone else is going virtual, my hours are way longer than they used to be because everyone's home. So it's so much easier for someone to email you at nine and expect you to answer. <laughs> so I had to get to a point where I'm like, look, I'm not, I'm not working past these hours. I can't, I won't be productive. So I've had weeks, like uh, uh, two weeks ago, I think, where I just wanted to break my computer where I literally worked for like 60 plus hours. I was working on a Friday night because uh, stuff I had to get done. I was so frustrated. But now it's like, no, I'm just going to grind as hard as I can so that I can get off and then do what I have to do. So I have, you will see more things blend in because we are at home, but people have to get better at saying, this is my time. Like this time means something to me. I don't need this. And it, of course, on top of all that, you have people losing their jobs. So there's a little bit of fear in there, but I think you have to get to a point where you're be confident in who you are and what you can do and be okay with telling people, look, I know I, I earned a right to be at this company. So I have no issues telling someone I need time like to, to be myself. I'm not answering emails all day. 
Yeah, that's exactly exactly the same experience here. It's like you stay on Slack forever. <laughs> it's like never ending. And I wonder if this is like if we change, if more people change to work from home. I know that Facebook was allowing some of their engineers to work from home. If you're uh, like a, a high level engineer or you don't have to, you don't need an access to some stuff that they have in the building, um, you can work from home. But I don't know if permanently, you know, if we change permanently more towards the home is is are we going to be working at different hours? You know, like, is it, is it not going to be nine to five? Is it maybe going to be like Spanish time with the siesta in the middle? You know, like, is that- and, and, and I think that's something we, we, that's one thing I think companies need to get better at is, is being flexible. Cause companies are like fake flexible. They'll say you can all use your own desk, but only these hours. Or if the, the corporate guys come in, you have to go sit somewhere else or corporate women come in and you have to do something else. Um, I think companies just need to get better at alternatives. If you want to be home, you don't have to be home. Like you don't have to, like, for example, I send a ton of emails and I have a ton of meetings all the time. So I get nothing done. I don't need to be on the phone all the time. None of us do. There are probably three calls that you have to be on. So companies should go, look, we just don't need to do this. Or filling out an email. How many times have you decided to think, what word can I use? I don't want to piss this person off or that they're the CEO or VP. Let me write it. And you're just eating time. Instead of just going, look, just reply and then be done with it. Like there's so many standards that companies should now look at and go, look, if people are happy, they're going to be better at their job. And it's really about the bottom line. So we can cut costs here for working from home. There are companies paying thousands for office space. Why would you not look into that and say, okay, let's just find a cheaper option for the people who do want to come in. We'll get a smaller space for those who don't stay home. And then we'll see you when we see you. I don't care. So I definitely think it's going to force people to just be more innovative in the way they manage um, and the way they conduct business because then people will be happier. Now we all know we can work from home. So now it's, what's your excuse? How, why would I go in the office? You got to do something else to get me in there. I could just stay here. Yeah. That, I also wonder if maybe work gets a bit, so to me, it, it's a bit like that the, the border between what is spare time, what is work is fluent now. And, and uh, I don't know anymore because I'm also working with my private PC. Am I now doing something private? Am I now working actually? Or is this now my, my high focus time where I need to work or my chill time where I, but it's also, it's also weird because you go through your uh, stuff and then I have sometimes uh, bookmarks for work and next to it, the YouTube video from two weeks ago, that was funny. I was thinking, oh, this is all within reach. It, it's, a, it's a bit weird. So I'm, I don't know how all this turns out in the next months. It's funny. I, I, I'm definitely like, uh, I, 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 I've felt that a thousand times like i first i turned 37 late this year so now my now in my head i'm just like fuck it this is my house <laughs> like this is my this is my time i'm not looking up anything negative or anything illegal or gross so i, I like i this is what i'm gonna do this and is america time, yeah, exactly <laughs> in terms of time i think you bring up a good point like if i'm your if i'm your boss or manager i don't care when you do it like if it unless someone goes i need something by this time then we could all say, okay, let's just make sure it gets done by like four or five. But there are people who wake up early in the morning and do work. There's people who do it at lunch. There's people who answer emails later. I think there's just those clump, that clump time in the middle where we have to respond to people so they don't get mad. That's when you can kind of just focus on that. But other than that, I would not, I would not want to make people work the same way. You saw that with school. Some of us just learn differently. So as far as work, I just wouldn't want to fit it. To your point, I'm like, look, like that's your computer. I'm not going to follow you and tag everything you do 
if your work slips and you haven't done anything in a week, then I'm going to say, what's going on? And then go from there. But I'm not starting with the mindset of, I need to watch everybody like a hawk to make sure they're working all the time on their computers. No, I'm not doing yeah. that. Right. Just let them be free. Let them be adults and work. When you, when you have issues and things slipping, then you can check in and then go from there. Yeah. I just wonder if companies now are going to start outsourcing a little bit more. Cause you know, like if we're on all on the screen, does it really matter if we, I don't know, if we uh, hired Joe or if we, if we hired somebody from, I don't know, uh, India or somewhere else? Because it's the same. Like if they have the same skill, we can pay one guy less. But anyways, we're all on the screen now. So I don't know if that changes. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's weird though. There's so many people who are, and I think it depends on the age too because there are people like, you know, people in your 40s and your 50s who are just used to things a certain way who got to see you, who have to, like, have to see your face. They got to have a face-to-face -face meeting for an hour. So it's weird. You're definitely seeing it change. In terms of people just put so much value on us being close or like, you know, yeah. like it, it's weird. So I, it's interesting. I do, see, I do think we're going to get more, um, more people going to be more open to international solid businesses. Um, it, it, they just have to learn how to execute it, right? Nice, nice. Um, and if you, if you were to talk to an entrepreneur now, what would be maybe your advice for this current environment? If somebody is a young entrepreneur from your experience, I would say, don't worry about what's not getting done. Like you're home. So you probably think of 50 things you could do. And if you don't do all of them, you're going to feel super down. Don't focus on that. Like prioritize, learn how to prioritize the right thing. If it's an app, and it's not out, focus on that. Focus on your product or whatever it is that people are actually going to be buying or looking at. And then just do that and perfect that. Do that. Don't, don't set self-imposed timelines that come out of nowhere, just weird due dates for stuff. Like keep yourself honest. Uh, keep yourself focused. But don't feel like based on some weird thing you put in your head that you're not doing enough. Like it's okay for you to go to sleep one day if you just if work made you too tired. Uh, just, just don't overstress it. Focus on that core thing that makes the company run. If it's food, it's the food. If it's an app, it is the app being out. If it, it is a blog, it's the blog. And then as that gets better and you continue to produce that, then you can look at other things that can be done to support your business, but do not spread yourself too thin. Take it one thing at a time and just do that really well. Yeah. I think, I think people, I think one thing I see a lot is that people under underestimate sleep. So like they would not sleep, but then in my mind, if I, if I don't sleep well, the next day when I'm supposed to execute, I'm going to be 50%, 75%. So like it's going to come back and bite me, you know, like if, 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 but I see a lot of people that are working and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm just not going to sleep. I'm going to work through it. But then it, it accumulates, idea. right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's a stupid idea. It's good. It's this contradictory idea between you're working long hours and long hours means you have invested a lot of time. So you must be very productive, but the next day you are dead and uh, don't get stuff done. So it, it, it's a weird thing. I think I would rather go to bed. I'm, I'm more of the person who would rather go to bed at 11 or 1130 and then get up the next day at seven again and then have again my proper day instead of just working until 3am and then getting up at six again and then being tired the, the entire next day. So yeah. time management. It's better. It's better. You one, your brain gets fatigued staring at a computer screen all day. Uh, it's where you're not doing, especially if you're not doing something mindless. Like if you're really trying to like come up with concepts, 
you need time away to just chill and then do it. And this whole hustle porn thing of just never sleeping is super unhealthy. Rich people sleep all the time. Like, <laughs> like managers and bosses sleep well because no one expects them. No one makes them do anything. You're not going to tell your, the head of their company, I need a response from you by the end of the night. They're going to go to sleep. They don't care. They don't need to worry about that. We yeah. do. So we're always putting all this pressure on ourselves to get things put out by a certain time and then we burn out. No, it's not the end of the world. Make sure you get your sleep. That's super important. And those, the notion that those are the people that are getting ahead in life are the ones that are just working their bones, working their fingers to the bone. Yes, in certain aspects, you do need to work hard to get things out, but not all the time. It just won't sustain. You won't last. It's okay to find the pace that suits you and then thrive in that pace. Yeah, I would say that exception, <laughs> exceptional, uh, the exception to this rule are bankers. Because at least all the contacts that I had with people who were bankers, they were waking up at like five, four in the morning when the market's open. But we all know that they use some supplements on the side to, to keep the work. But again, that, cat, that, that catches up with you. After 10 years, you, you look 20 years older instead of 10. And you're like, okay, maybe this wasn't worth it, even though I'm richer. You know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm unhealthy. I met, whatever. Yeah. So, I uh, met bankers who... Oh, yeah. Go, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm going to follow up with a question, but go for it, please. I was going to say, I've met bankers who told me that, I, th I don't know if it was JP Morgan, forgive me for misspeaking, but it was an investment banking company where they had to ask people to leave because people were working literally all day and all night, maybe going out to get a drink and then coming back. And they were like, okay, look, we're kicking people out for three hours because you can't, you'll die. <laughs> like you will die. You have, and it's that atmosphere. I met bankers who were like, I work 15 hours a day. And I'm just like, no, nah, I just rather... I don't need that much. I don't, I don't, I'll figure it, I'll figure it out. I don't, I'm not doing that. That's not life. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you have to love what you work. Like if, if you really like banking and then you're spending 15 hours a day, I mean, you're having a good time, you know, like, but if yeah, you don't true. like it, if you don't like it, then it's terrible. Um, I want to ask you about time management. How do you, since you're doing two things, uh, you have work and you also have a podcast and everything going on and organizing events. I know that also for us just to, to, besides work to do a podcast and we kind of do it in a sense of a hobby a hobby right so we we have podcasts we don't record we don't have like a every week we have to record we just go with the flow right we bring guests we when we feel that there is like a topic that we would like to discuss we discuss it but again it takes time right even to do it as a hobby it takes you have to put in some work so how do you balance that out I record things. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, now I definitely get sleep. Like I won't stay up late, uh, but I have one thing per week generally that I want to get done for each week. Um, and to hold myself accountable, I've been doing weekly updates every week on podcasts. So it just helps me stay accountable. Um, so like I want to, I want to build an email newsletter. So I paid, I created the outline and I'm going to paste one to code something in HTML. Um, and I said, I need that done by the end of this week. Outside of that, everything I just dedicated day to. So I do have a website and I'm going to say, I'm not going to try to dip in the website every day. I'm going to have a day where I look at where it is and then kind of go from there. A uh, day of scheduling things on social media. That's all I'm going to do for these next couple hours. I'm not going to even worry about the other stuff. I'm just going to do this and then go from there. But I definitely want to make sure I give myself time for just like peace because I used to feel like if I wasn't working on my business when I didn't have other work, that I was like wasting all of my time. But you just need time to just chill out. So on weekends, I definitely have time where I'm just not doing nothing. I'm chilling, you know, I'm walking around, my wife hanging out um, and then not stressing out about the fact that I'm not working all the time and going crazy. So like just identifying 
what's what'll push us forward this thing okay great let's focus on that piece by piece this day we'll only do this concepts of this the next day so on and so forth and then go from there yeah and uh what would you say in terms of the, the of the club what, what are the next steps like if we start reopening where do you see it going what's what, what are the goals uh for the podcast itself yeah how do you see the future yeah so i got a tons of episodes that have finally been edited so now i'm just gonna start putting those out i've already started putting them out but i'm just gonna continue to do that and it's all about ramping up followers so outside of just releasing episodes i have to get better at uh, uh finding relationships so am i downtime uh outside of just sending emails through this newsletter reaching out to companies that maybe advertise to entrepreneurs or other forms of content so reaching out telling my name is Joel this is what I do just finding different ways to scale uh th- that business ideally more listeners for the audio format get as many as humanly possible by doing this and then when things open up definitely going back to some kind of live event um the, we peaked at about 7580 in Turtle Swamp Brewery so mm-hmm. I would definitely want to do that again but in the meantime just making sure we get listeners for the content that continuously comes out I'm telling you man so far that's the, that's a, a good idea I love so far it'll be a, a great synergy because I believe the people that usually use this type of stuff like myself I would definitely go listen to a live event that's also at the same time a podcast and everything right yeah um so would you say that your you, your your ultimate goal is the event uh doing it in a kind of event manner and publicly or keeping it or both things I don't know I'd say both if I could uh mm-hmm. if once revenue is coming in maybe having someone manage one more so people who are really into event planning going behind the scenes reaching out to people planning the schedule reaching out to vendors and sponsors um and then putting that on and then always having podcasts always having new interviews that people can just listen to for that that weekly or bi-weekly inspiration yeah i, I definitely i definitely i definitely get that people sometimes i think people think that oh yeah you can easily promote your podcast you just have to use social media and stuff but building your own audience, I think it's, I understand why there's a profession for people yeah. who do that God. for you, you know, like. It's real. It's a real thing. <laughs> you, got, you got to pay. You either got to pay or you got to grind. So it's, 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 yeah, it's yeah. real. Well, it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I like that we're not the only people who feel the, who feel the pain of that. Um, I don't know, to conclude, do you have, do you have any questions on your side? Or? No, my, my last question would have also been the thing, what would have been the last, the, the next steps the, yeah. of the podcast, but yeah, you just told us. So uh, maybe to conclude, um, what would be your message for the listeners? Maybe for the people, because we have a lot of young people listening to the podcast who either finished their university degrees or at, at least all the people that I know they're listening that, that are maybe looking to start their own business from your experience talking to people who already did it, or maybe were moonlighting or as well, working with two jobs and uh, doing their own business. What would be maybe a piece of advice? I would say a couple of things. One would definitely be don't stop worrying about what you're not doing. Like so many of us are looking on social media seeing what other people have or what other people are capable of. And then you relate yourself and say, why don't I have all these followers? Why don't I have all this money and all this prestige? Uh, we all have achieved something at this point. 
whether it was just creating a podcast, doing one interview, you know, uh, reaching out to someone to have a one person go, this is good. We all have those. Nothing wrong with celebrating those and, and being aware of those. You know, it's easy to look at someone else who's, who's much further ahead than you and to say, well, I'm, I'm not doing what they're doing. I should feel sad. But no, you're going to get that in your own time at your own pace. Um, and then also that is just try to find where your happiness comes from. Um, I thought it was money. It's, I love buying certain things, but the more money I've made, if I didn't care about the company that I was working for, the stress is never worth it. Never went to sleep after a really shitty day. and was like, eh, man, but I loved it. You know, I've never had an awful day and went to sleep with a smile on my face. I felt sad down like, Oh my God, dude, I was just on the phone for, I literally had a day where I was on the phone from nine o'clock until four 30 in the afternoon. Yeah. And I literally went to sleep like I did nothing. <laughs> just watch emails pile up. And I'm like, you know what? Find that passion. And it may not live in that nine to five. It may live in that nine to five, but find it. That is the most important thing, man. All the money and accolades in the world are not worth that, 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 that stress and that tightness you feel. Find where that happiness comes from and then work towards that. And, and that, that what I say is my last advice. Yeah. Yeah, I guess find what you love and then think independently and uh, go and do it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I guess to conclude, where, where can people find you? I, uh, the website, the podcast itself. Definitely, man. The podcast is called The Moonlighters Club, uh, Entrepreneurs Living as Employees. Uh, just put in The Moonlighters Club. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, all major podcast networks. Also, we have our own website, moonlightersclub.com, and uh, YouTube. So um, if you go to our YouTube page, you'll see all uh, interviews that I've done in the past and showcases of people just talking into the camera and telling their story on a stage, on a mic. Uh, it's pretty cool. Definitely check it out when you get a chance. And you're on Instagram as well, right? Say again? Yes, IG. Yeah. Run Moonlighters Club, run IG as well. Yeah, Instagram these Club. days. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Perfect, man. Thank you very much for um, talking to us today. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And I guess um, our audience can learn something from this, hopefully. And um, if you have desires to go for your own business, um, listen to Joel, check out his podcast, and it might help you in the future. Thank you both for your time. I appreciate this. This is really cool, yeah. man. Thank you. Yeah, no worries.